Here we go. Let's get into this one. So the goal of the Momentum Podcast is to document and discuss the best practices of living an extraordinary life. And obviously I do that with the help of phenomenal guests. Uh, and then sometimes I do solo episodes, which is what today is about. On that thread, this episode has a specific focus on improving physical health. We know that physical health is not only an independent goal for many, and that's a broad term, physical health, but you know, fat loss, look better, feel better, live longer. Uh, it's an independent goal for many people, but it's also one that seems to be a primary structure that supports all other goals, or at least a lot of other goals, which is what makes it so unique. It, it tends to impact positively or negatively other areas of your life, your career, your business, even relationships, marriages, et cetera. And I think one of the biggest hangups for people is feeling like they're putting the work in, um, but not seeing results. It can be confusing, draining, frustrating, demotivating, all of the above. The specific topic of fat loss seems to be one of those areas where there's a lot of people putting in work and trying to do the right things uh, and are not seeing results. And because of that, over the last decade, I've kind of compiled what I think to be some sort of quote unquote master list of the biggest hangups or, or pitfalls that people run into that would explain why they're not losing fat. So if you're saying I've tried keto, I've tried vegan, I've tried tracking my calories, I've tried all these different things. I've kind of made some progress in the past, but usually I end up rebounding at some point and I'm further away than even when I started. I'm not confident that I can stick with any sort of routine because even when I do, I feel like I don't get where I want to go. And then I'm just frustrated. Uh, if you're saying that, if you feel like you've tried a bunch of different things and have not had luck, no matter how many years or how many different things you've attempted, this episode is specifically for you. So here's the breakdown of the flow of this episode. First, I'm going to do a very brief, hopefully two to three minute reminder on the physiology of fat loss. What's actually happening? How does fat loss happen uh, in the body? I don't want to labor this topic. There's plenty of other, I've actually done, I, I believe a full episode on this. I want to get right into application today. Uh, but it does sort of understanding at least a little bit of the physiology helps set the context for this entire episode. So I'm going to briefly run through that. Then I'm going to go through the primary reasons, three primary reasons that at 99.9% .9 of the time when I'm dealing with somebody that is struggling with fat loss, they fall into one or all three of these buckets. And then lastly, I'm going to discuss direct application. Okay, what specifically can you do about it if you fall into one or three of these categories? Uh, and this is going to be very clear, specific action items. Um, so you know exactly what to look for, what to do, uh, and how to proceed. My goal is to lay it out as clearly as possible. So there's no confusion on whether or not, you know, you're quote unquote, doing it right or wrong, etc. All right, so let's jump right into the physiology of fat loss. Calories are just units of energy, something has to be done with them. So our body requires a certain amount of energy to keep the lights on, you know, our organs functioning, keep our body temperature. Uh, obviously we need calories to fuel our movement, etc. Now that number that would be required to keep you just functioning as is, uh, and not gaining or losing any weight is just called your maintenance calories. That's going to be affected by several things, you know, really obvious things like age, gender activity level. So, you know, a seven foot two, 340 pound male who's very active is going to have much higher maintenance calories than a four foot 11 female who's sedentary. As an example, let's say your maintenance calories are somewhere around 2000 for you. And if you were to eat 1800 calories in a day, 
your body's going to find the energy it needs for those other 200. And where it's going to pull from is primarily fat stores. On the contrary, if you eat 2200, your body's got to do something with those excess calories. It doesn't matter where they're coming from, if they're coming from the healthiest food of all time or a donut or whatever else, it's got to find somewhere to put that excess energy. If you're resistance training, getting enough protein, some of those calories will go towards fueling muscle growth and some of them still will go towards fat gain. Every single human being on the face of the planet is subject to these laws of thermodynamics. There's no getting around them. It doesn't matter how healthy you eat or what your hormone status is. There are various factors that can affect maybe the, the total amount of calories that you can eat, but none of them change the laws of energy balance, which is to say, whatever your maintenance calories are, if you go above them, some of that energy has to go somewhere. It would go to fat or muscle. And then if you are under your maintenance calories, it's got to come, your body's going to find that energy somewhere and it will generally pull it from fat. If you're curious about the deeper kind of mechanism behind the science of fat loss, perhaps we can do another episode on that sometime, but there's plenty of other great resources out there. If you want to look up Andy Galpin on YouTube, he has a, I believe it's called Physiology of Fat Loss uh, video. He's got a couple series there. Lane Norton is another resource that talks a lot about the physiology of fat loss. Uh, but again, today's, the focus of today's episode is on application. So I, that, that's about as deep as I'm going to go. Just to very clearly define, calories are the ultimate driver of weight gain or weight loss. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, let's get into the direct focus of this episode. And before I talk about the three kind of pitfalls that people tend to run into, it's first important to note uh, one thing, which is making sure that you actually are not losing fat. Because this throws a lot of people off. I've had conversations with people where they're talking about, you know, they're not losing fat and I'm trying to troubleshoot with them for a while back and forth and on calories. Okay. Or is something being tracked wrong on some of the things we'll get into briefly, but then I decide to stop and go, hold on a second. Have you been tracking your weight? Yeah. What did you weigh four weeks ago? Well, I was 185. What do you weigh now? I'm 178. Okay. So you're down seven pounds in four weeks. But I think sometimes we have these ideas, we see weight loss TV shows or whatever else where people are losing an exorbitant amount of weight in a very short period of time. And we feel like if the results are coming slower, that we're doing something wrong. So first, it's just important to note, are you losing somewhere around one to two pounds per week? If so, then great. You're losing fat at a great rate. Keep doing what you're doing. No need to really continue to troubleshoot until you run into perhaps a roadblock down the road. Then there's another category where you do feel like you're doing the right things, but the scale actually isn't changing. The next question to ask is, okay, well, how long has it been since the scale hasn't changed? And how frequently are you weighing? Because we know that weight is drastically affected on a day-to-day -day basis. The biggest impact on your body weight is water fluctuations. So we've all seen, if you go out to, if you have a huge cheat meal, um, perhaps I'm more excessive than others, but in the past, I've gone up six to eight pounds in a single day. It is physiologically almost impossible for me to have put on six to eight pounds. Well, it is impossible given the amount of calories that I would have eaten. Almost all of that weight that you put on in a single day or lose in a single day is going to be water weight. And so as a prime example, you could weigh on Monday morning and you're 175 pounds and you eat in, in an amazing calorie deficit throughout the week. You're doing all the things right but you don't weigh again until the next Monday. And if you were to actually look at your weight each day 
you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe Friday morning. So you started Monday morning at 175. Friday morning, you were down at 174. And by Sunday, maybe you were 173.8. But then you weigh in on Monday again. And just due to various, there's a hundred factors that can affect water weight. You weigh 175.4. And do you think, wait a second, I just did all the things right through the week, through the entire weekend, and now I gained 0.4 pounds. What is happening here? That can tend to trip a lot of people up. Numbers, just seeing that number on the scale going, okay, I'm literally gaining weight. It's impossible. That is a prime example of a time where you just put on some water weight and you were doing everything right. You're, you actually lost tissue or you lost fat. You just temporarily have some excess water that you're holding on to. Water fluctuations can be caused from a sudden change in sodium or water that you intake in your diet. So if you just eat a different amount of sodium one day, which is very easy to do, eating packaged foods or going out to eat, um, if you eat a decent amount above what your body's kind of adjusted to, you'll just hold a bunch of water. Uh, you could eat more carbohydrates in, in a day and those will pull more water in. Allergy medication. Uh, change in how much you sweat from day to day. There's a massive list of things that can cause water fluctuations. And I'm going to provide a direct solution for how to manage these water fluctuations and know what, what they are. But first, I just wanted to frame that because people tend to fall into one of two camps that actually are losing body fat. One of them is, is the first one that I mentioned where they're literally directly losing a pound or two every week. The second camp is someone who over the short term water fluctuations are causing them to think that they're not losing fat when they actually are. Again, we've got solutions for all of this, which is now what I'm finally going to get into, which are these three buckets that people tend to fall into that are preventing them from losing fat or from thinking they're not losing fat when they are. So reason number one as to why you aren't actually losing fat is that you are not in a calorie deficit. And that could, this could actually end the entire episode because that's really the, the central theme of fat loss. Uh, but obviously there's there's much more nuance and application that can make this a lot easier, which is why there's three steps here or three buckets. But like I mentioned, the calorie equation drives all of weight loss or weight gain. So if you are someone who, who feels like I have a good idea of how much I'm supposed to be eating and I'm eating that amount, you know, I looked it up, I'm supposed to be eating 2,500 calories and I've been doing that every day and I'm not losing weight. As you'll see shortly, most often people are tracking incorrectly, which we're going to get into. But let's assume that you're tracking everything perfectly. If you're tracking everything perfectly and you're not losing weight or losing fat over a long term, uh, very simply, that's just not your appropriate amount of calories. But that's rarely the hang up. For most people, the hang up is not, I know exactly how many I'm supposed to be eating. I'm tracking it perfectly and it's not working. Usually it's going to be the next two categories, which is why we're breezing through that one very quickly. Category two is not being consistent. This is where so many people fall into. Sunday through Thursday, perfect eating, right on point. All of your meals are, are perfectly dialed in. You're in a big calorie deficit. But then Friday and Saturday, you go out, you get some drinks, uh, you get some more drinks, you get food, then you have a few more drinks, and then you need more food, and then you go to bed. What I think is wild for a lot of people to realize is that one or two days can throw off the rest of the week if you really go off track to a significant degree. So math and numbers, specific examples tend to help people. So I'm going to, I'll give a very specific example. So let's say your maintenance calories are 200, 2000 calories. So for you to just not gain or lose any weight with your current lifestyle, you need 2000 calories a day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you're perfect. You're eating 1500 calories a day. So 500 below 
your maintenance. So you're on track to lose about a pound of body fat each week. Many people are familiar with this math, but there's roughly 3,500 calories in a pound of body fat. So if you just take your maintenance calories and subtract 500 from them, if you were to eat like that seven days a week, seven times 500 is 3,500. That's where kind of the one pound of fat loss per week idea comes from. So you're, yeah, so you're on that track to lose a pound this week, but then Friday rolls around and you power 3,500 calories, which to some people might sound like a lot. It is quite easy to hit 3,500 calories, especially if you're eating out um, and, and particularly when alcohol becomes involved because not only are there calories in the actual alcohol, but generally mixers add a couple hundred extra calories and drinks don't tend to fill you up very much. So if you're drinking multiple, it's very easy to rack up a, a thousand plus calories just in your alcohol. That's before any sort of appetizers, food, etc. enters the equation. So you were eating 1500 a day perfectly. Then you get to Friday, you have 3500 calories because you have some drinks. Saturday, you're a little bit, you have a little bit less drinks, a little bit less food, but you still eat 3000 calories, which again is extremely easy to do. What that did, that extra 1500 on Saturday and 2000 ish on Friday, just completely erased the entire week of deficit that you were in. The 500 calories per day, Sunday through Thursday, puts you roughly in about a 2,500 calorie deficit. And then you just made up those calories on Friday and Saturday. And then you get back to the week going, I'm right back on track. And you're effectively right where you left off. The real bummer for most people is generally those weekend foods and drinks, you'll retain some water, which makes you weigh in on the following Monday or whenever you decide to weigh in. And now you're up a lot of weight and people tend to feel guilty, feel like they blew it. And now they're, they're so far back. What's the point? I tried really hard the entire week. And it kind of begins this vicious cycle of trying really hard, slipping up over the weekend, feeling guilty, and then really having a hard time getting back into the flow of things because you feel like, what's the point? I do all this work and then I enjoy myself for one minute and all of it's gone. And this is one of the more painful issues because you're actually doing it right about 70% of the time, but you're getting 0% of the results. And we're gonna get to solutions here at the last portion of this episode, but let's get into the third common pitfall that people run into, which is tracking errors. This one is extremely common. There's a good amount of literature now that's looked into how people tend to self-report or record calories. And people, I've seen numbers as high as 100% or more off. So people, people will think, you know, they're eating 2000 calories a day. They're actually eating 3000 plus calories. It's very easy to, to mistrack food. Restaurants tend to underreport the calories that are in their meals too. So if you do eat somewhere that says it's an 800 calorie bowl, it's probably more like 1200 or 1300. And then some common tracking errors are usually around using butter and oil, uh, which there's not anything particularly wrong with that. It's just harder to track and when people don't realize how much they're putting in their foods or you're cooking with butters uh, sometimes it's adding two three hundred plus calories to to each meal that you have and then untracked bites you know it's really easy to grab like a handful of nuts or a cracker or a chip or whatever else and if there was a meter that just displayed a hologram in front of you of how many calories each time you took a bite i think a lot of people would behave a little bit differently because it is so easy for 500 or 1,000 calories to add up over the day 
that didn't even feel like anything because it was just a pass by, quick bite here, quick bite there. So untracked calories tend to really throw people off. And let's say, you know what, I am tracking, I'm paying attention, I don't eat anything unless I log it into my fitness pal or macro factor or one of those apps. Then comes the issue of actually making sure that you're reporting correctly. So a prime example I love to give is peanut butter. If you ever want to see how calorically dense peanut butter actually is, get a food scale, which we're going to get into in just a second, and weigh the protein out by gram. So gram is a, a measurement of weight. And put, so on the back it should say, my math might be wrong, but it should be something like 28 grams of peanut butter is 190 calories. Weigh out 28 grams and see how small that actually is. Because it says two tablespoons, but tablespoons, are particularly with something so calorically dense, like peanut butter, are kind of a bad way to go about it. So if you weigh out 28 grams, it looks like a single bite. It's painful. So if you are tracking and you're kind of trying to eyeball things, like I think this is about a tablespoon or two of peanut butter. Turns out it's actually 600 calories. That can throw people off as well. The last common tracking error is liquid calories. A lot of people tend to forget uh, about the calories in beverages that they're drinking, whether it's sodas or orange juice or do people drink Capri Sun anymore? I'm not sure. Um, and alcohol, those calories tend to add up a ton and they don't really fill you up. So it's kind of a double negative there. So we've kind of gone through these three issues that people run into. Uh, one of them is just that they've incorrectly identified how many calories they're supposed to be eating. The second one is just not being consistent, being great Sunday through Thursday and throwing off everything on Friday and Saturday without maybe an appreciation for how easily easy that is to do. And then the third one is just tracking errors, again, which are not tracking things like butter and oil, liquid calories, uh, and of course, untracked bites throughout the day. But what exactly do you do about it? So step one, these are going to be a few step process here. Step one, if you don't have one, get a food scale, just go on Amazon and, and type the word food scale in. There'll be a million options, should be like 10 bucks, maybe it's 20, I'm not sure. But they're very useful even for cooking recipes and things like that. So you don't just have to get it for the purpose of calories. And then just watch a two minute YouTube video on how to use a food scale. It's relatively straightforward. It'll allow you to measure food in ounces, grams, uh, milliliters, and you just put your plate on the food scale, dump whatever food you're gonna eat in there, and then go, okay, you know, this is 200 grams of white rice that's cooked. You open up your calorie tracking app or whatever, you know, whatever, you scan the barcode or you type it in, log it, and you're off to the races. Not everyone wants to do this all the time or for their whole life, but I think it's valuable for everyone for a period of time to do it just to realize, just to kind of get an idea of the calorie density or impact of certain foods and get an idea of how much you typically eat, what a typical meal consists of. You'll get to the point where you'll be able to look at a meal and have a pretty good idea of how many calories, protein, carbs, fat, etc., that meal is made up of. And if you're trying to lose fat, you may as well do some tracking because you're putting in effort trying to eat right. The last thing you want to do is put in all this effort and you're just eating the wrong amount of calories. Okay, perfect. So you've got the food scale now. Second thing is to get some sort of tracking app. You don't need a, a, a app if you want to use like the notes on your phone or calculator on your phone. I just recommend uh, the calorie tracking apps because it speeds up your time a ton. If anything has a barcode, you can scan it. It pulls right up. Uh, they have most restaurants now and their food items on there. Everything's very searchable and it's just easier to track. I like to save as much of my cognitive bandwidth as possible for uh, important things in life, not trying to memorize how many calories I've eaten. So 
I particularly like the app Macro Factor uh, by Greg Knuckles and some of those guys. I believe it's something like 70 bucks a year. So most people may not want to invest in that, uh, but there's free options like MyFitnessPal and I'm sure there's a million other ones out there. So there you go. There's step two. You've Now you've got your food scale. You've got your tracking app. The third thing I would recommend is to get a uh, scale to actually weigh your body weight if you don't have one already. Little hack here. I like to use there's and you can find these on Amazon too. If you just look up Bluetooth scale. I like to use a scale that syncs with my iPhone. All I do is step on it every morning and it automatically up, updates my weight. So I don't have to track it. And I can. it's easy for me to pull up at any time of day and see where my body weight is today versus last week, last month, et cetera. So now you've got everything you need to document and track where you're at. What do you actually do about how much you're supposed to eat? This is kind of the most important part. It's very simple and this is not something to stress about and not something to stress about doing perfect because the, the scale when you weigh every morning or a couple times a week is gonna be the ultimate decision maker on how many calories you actually need. All you need is some sort of starting point to point you in a direction and then you can watch what happens with the scale because if over a period of time you are losing weight consistently, well then you know you're in a calorie deficit and over a period of time if you're either not losing weight at all or gaining weight, you know you're probably in a calorie surplus. But to get directionality and to get started, there's a, a bunch of formulas you can use. I think the simplest way is just to, to get you to Google it. So I would just go on Google and search calorie calculator. The first result that will come up is, I believe it's calculator.net, something like that. You just fill in your age, your gender, your height, your weight. And then this is where most people get tripped up is well, what's my activity level? Because it's going to ask you how active you are. It's a fairly subjective question. But I would just think about your lifestyle. Does your job, first think about what your day-to-day -day life looks like. Does your job require you to walk a lot? If, you are, if you're a waiter or waitress, uh, so I've seen common buddies of mine rack up you know, 20,000 plus steps a day serving. So that's somebody who I would consider, that's somebody who would be considered highly active because they've not even done any sort of direct training yet. And their lifestyle alone takes them you know, seven plus miles of walking every single day. But maybe you work in a big office and you're constantly to and from meetings. If you carry your iPhone with you and you can see how many steps you get in a day, maybe you, look, you can look back, open your health app and see, oh, geez, I actually walk 10,000 steps a day. That's before I even work out. That'll give you an idea of what kind of your activity level looks like. And then think about how often you train. Do you do direct cardio? Do you do resistance training? How many days a week? And just pick up, try to pick one of the options that seems most reasonable. The most important thing is not to stress about this part. Pick what you think is reasonable based on your lifestyle, how often you lift, how often you do cardio, and the general movement that you do throughout the day. Do you chase the kids around a lot, etc.? And then look at the calories that it suggests for you. It'll suggest these should be your maintenance calories. It's going to be an estimation, not a precise number but it gives you some directionality and something that you can start to use to find your ultimate maintenance calories. So there you go. You've got everything you need to track. You've got a, a baseline number, at least an estimation of what your maintenance calories are. Now you just need to pick how fast do you want to lose fat? Now, everybody's gonna say, I wanna lose it as fast as possible. That's probably not an ideal strategy and generally not recommended unless you're thinking, I've got a video shoot in four weeks that I got to be ready for, or, you know, I'm filming a movie or something like that, like a very specific use case to really push the pedal to the metal. But other than that, generally sticking around a pound to a pound and a half of fat loss per week is ideal for most people, which means 
take the maintenance calories that they provided and subtract about 500 to somewhere around 750 on the upper end and use that as your baseline target for how many calories to eat every day. Then just commit to tracking every single bite you eat appropriately for the next two weeks and commit to getting a body weight measurement every morning first thing for the next two weeks. Like I mentioned in the earlier portion of the episode, your body weight could change day to day based on water fluctuations. But if you are consistently losing fat, it will eventually, you know, no water fluctuation is going to override uh, the fact that you are losing body fat, which means what you can do is take your weekly average. So Sunday through Saturday, technically, if you were to, you know, weigh it. So Sunday through Saturday, if you add all those up and divide by seven, that would be your weekly average. Thankfully, you don't have to worry about doing all this math. If you have a Bluetooth scale, it will send this data to your iPhone, and then you can then just look at your past week average. It does it automatically for you. So what you can do is compare your weekly average on week one to your weekly average on week two. See if there's a change. It might take until week three to start to see a real noticeable change. But if your weekly average doesn't change at all over the period of three weeks, you probably need to cut back your calories a bit more. So I would try cutting them. But if your weekly average doesn't change over the period of two to three weeks, you'd probably look at making some sort of modification, meaning what do you up your activity? Maybe try to get, you know, two, three, four, five thousand more steps in in a day, uh, maybe a cardio session, or maybe you just pull back on calories if you're not willing to, to spend more time exercising. And that right there is everything you need to get started and to figure out how many calories you're supposed to be eating to reach whatever goal it is that you have. So briefly, let's recap these action items. One, get a food scale off Amazon. Two, get, get some sort of tracking app. It'll make your life a lot easier. I use MacroFactor, uh, but there's plenty of other free options on all the app stores. Three, get a body weight scale if you don't have one already, preferably a Bluetooth scale that syncs directly with your phone. Four, figure out your calories. Just search calorie calculator on Google. Click the top results, calculator.net. Enter in your information and have a starting point there. Five, just subtract something like 500 to 750 calories from that maintenance calorie number that it provides you. Next, just commit to tracking every single bite of food that you eat for the next two weeks and check your body weight each morning first thing for the next two weeks. Then just look back and see if your weekly average changed at all. If not, maybe look at one more week. If nothing happens after three weeks, cut back two to 300 calories and then reassess again. That's the direct path of what to do. Uh, there's a whole separate discussion on, you know, what are some best practices to make this as painless and as seamless as possible, um, which I plan to do a follow-up episode on. I will save that for a separate episode, but it would be remiss of me not to mention the importance of protein in this episode. So I'm gonna get into that really briefly. Remember the topic of this episode is fat loss. It's not weight loss. I don't know many people that would prefer to just lose muscle and not fat. So the role of protein consumption is enormous and cannot be overstated when it comes to fat loss. Protein itself does not directly cause you to lose fat, but what it does is make sure that the tissue that you do lose is primarily fat. Of course, this should be in conjunction with resistance training. If you aren't lifting weights uh, to some degree and eating, eating adequate protein, you can be fairly certain that a percentage and likely a very unfavorable percentage 
of the weight that you lose will come from your muscle. Your body doesn't really want to hold on to muscle if it doesn't need to because it's very expensive from an energy standpoint. It requires a lot of energy, a lot of oxygen and nutrients to fuel. So if you're consistently in a, in a calorie deficit over a long period of time, your body's going to get pretty smart and go, let's start stripping this muscle tissue away instead of fat. So as far as protein goes, try to hit somewhere around 0.7 to 1 gram per pound of body weight per day. Of course, if you're in excess of three, four, 500 pounds, you wouldn't need to go that high. You could stick somewhere around potentially the amount of lean mass you have. So I would pick something like 200 to 250 grams of protein at that rate. But for most people, 0.7 to 1 gram per pound is a really good place to start. And that's really it. This episode should cover everything that you would need to know about knowing how many calories you're supposed to be eating, knowing why past fat loss uh, attempts were unsuccessful, and how exactly to know exactly how much you're supposed to eat and how to modify that based on what's happening with your body weight. How I come to decide what to make an episode about is just thinking about what could potentially be the most useful for at least one person. That's kind of how I've come to make episodes. I just think, would this help at least one person? And I happen to know a lot of people who have struggled with fat loss and we've gone through these things together and we found success. And so from my perspective, if it's, if it's something that I see a lot of people struggling with and it's something that um, there's very clear and direct path to solving, I'm gonna make a podcast episode about it. So that's where this is coming from. I hope uh, it was useful. I try to be as, as direct and get as quickly into application as possible. Um, but I need to start mentioning this more. If anybody has any specific questions, thoughts, concerns, or especially podcast ideas, uh, if, if you think of a topic that would be useful or something like that, feel free to reach out to me, whether that's through Instagram or I've got my email in the description of this episode. Uh, either one is great. But that's all for now. I hope you have an awesome week. Stay strong, and I will talk to you all very soon.